Y'all were praying that my microphone would do what Dave Score did, uh, but uh, God did not answer your prayer today. All right, <clears throat> it's on. <clears throat> so last week we began this series titled LED, and we are reading the words of Jesus found in Matthew chapter five, where he says that we are the light of the world, and we are to let our lights shine before others, so that they may see our good works. And then in result, in response to our good works, they would do what? Give glory to our Father who is in heaven. That we are to let our light shine. So as we began this series, the, t- the series title is LED. Alright, for those of you who don't catch that, that is a light reference to you and I shining brighter than the typical old school bulbs, right? We're, we are LEDs now. We are, we are updated and upgraded. Um, but last week we discussed the first topic, the letter L, which was love, that you and I have this little light, this little light of mine that I'm going to let it shine for the whole world to see, actually began with God's love. That his love for his creation to redeem us and to reconcile us back to him, that Christ died for us yet while we were still what? Sinners. This is how he demonstrates his great love for you and for me. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so whoever would what? Believe in him would never perish but have eternal life. So this little light of mine that I possess, that sometimes I'm good at showing and sometimes I'm pretty pitiful at, It all began with God's unconditional, undeserving, unwavering, and never-changing love for His creation. That those who would repent of their sin and call upon His name would be recipients of it and then experience His eternal life. However, we also know that there are going to be some people that reject His love. They will. Therefore, they will have no light, and they will be, as Don alluded to, children of darkness, and their eternal punishment will be eternal darkness, eternal separation from the source of light and life. So as we move from L into E, today we want to talk about the second way that you and I can let our light shine, not just our love that we grow into, not just this emotional feeling or these ooey-gooey butterflies that I have in my stomach when I'm around this person or these people, but we're talking about truly growing in love. And now we move into the letter E. And here is the letter E for all of you. Example. So you can let your light shine by your example. And I titled this particular message, Do You See What I See? I know Christmas is over, and I know some of y'all never want to hear another Christmas carol for about 10 and a half or 11 months, and I'm there with you. All right, but the title of this particular message is, Do You See What I See? Now, let me ask you this. Does anybody have goals in life to be better than you are now? Does anybody hashtag goals something or someone? Like you see somebody, oh, hashtag goals. You know, that's what the kids do these days. Goals, I guess, hashtag goals. But here, anybody else, just raise your hand. Keep your hand up. If you aspire to be better than you are, okay, just keep your hand up. Do you aspire to be better looking than you are? (laughs) Yeah, we all want to be in better shape. We all want to have more hair or darker hair or not as light. We all want, do you aspire to be wiser than you currently are? Do you aspire to make more money than maybe you currently do? Do you? I mean, there's all kinds of goals that we have for ourselves, and there's all kinds of ways that you and I aspire to be better. So let me ask you this. Do you see what I see? Really alludes to this. You and I have goals and aspirations for ourselves, and part of the time that we 
try to navigate these goals and aspirations, we kind of form a dream version of ourselves. Like, okay, this is who I dream to be. This is how I dream to live. This is how I dream to act. Maybe you see those Christian folks that just carry themselves with integrity and wisdom and, and, and holiness, and you aspire to be like them. Maybe you hear some, some people the way that they parent or some people the way that they love in their marriage, some people the way that they speak with eloquence but also with grace and truth. And, and you think to yourself, I want to be like them. And what happens is if we are not careful, we will create this dream version of ourselves that we aspire to be and then we will begin to see ourselves as that person yet we are not actually that person. So what can be very dangerous for you and for me is that you and I aspire to be this way, but we currently live as this person, and the world sees this person, but if we aren't careful, we will fool ourselves into believing that the real version of ourselves is actually the dream version that we aspire to be. So what I see of myself sometimes is a lot better than I really am. What you see in yourself sometimes is actually a lot better than what the world sees. The way that you conduct yourself sometimes is a lot better in your own mind than what you and I as strangers may see in other people. So the way that we carry ourselves sometimes is a lot better in our own mind because here's what happens. We kind of fool ourselves into believing that the real version of me right now is actually the dream version of myself. Therefore, I fool myself into believing I'm better than I really am. So this is where we have to truly undermine this foolishness but also this very dangerous thing that we could fall into, into believing that the dream version of myself that I aspire to be is the real version when it's not. Because what will happen then is you will live in the dream version of yourself and never truly fix the real version. And you and I are called to be the lights of the world. We are called to be the light of the world and we are commanded to let our light shine. Our lights cannot shine before others Hopeful that we will become that particular person yet without putting in the work and the time to be who we aspire to be. So when it comes to letting our lights shine, we have to first understand that we have a real version of who we are and we have a dream version. Are we caught up in living in the dream version? And now there's two ways that we're going to discuss how you and I let our light shine before others in our example by the way that we talk and by the way that we walk. So we're going to discuss our speech and our conduct today. And we're gonna, we're gonna reference multiple verses. We're gonna read, I'm gonna read multiple verses, but the way that you and I can truly let our lights shine before others and the way that we live, the example that we live is through our speech and through our conduct. And for some of you, when you think about the way that you speak or the way that your conduct is, it may be painful today. And I'm not trying to attack anyone, but I do want to discuss two very serious matters to the Lord, which is the way that you speak and the way you conduct yourself. So first, let's go into speech, if I may. So let me just ask you, how is your speech? And I'm not talking to you take therapy because I took speech therapy as a kid. My speech was poor and it's kind of ironic that now I do it on a weekly basis. But, but I'm not talking how, you know, how good you are with your speech. I'm talking, does your speech glorify the Lord? Does your speech edify or destroy other people? The Bible says that in the tongue there is both life and death. Therefore, a lot of people, the deadliest weapon they will ever carry, it sits between their two lips. 
you will kill dreams, you will destroy hope, and you will put a lot of people by your speech in a grave, per se, by the life and the death that you and I possess in our tongue. So we have to ask ourselves, how is our speech? We could read James, we could read the Proverbs. Do my words provide life or do they provide death? Because as we've discussed, the Proverbs tells us that both life and death are in the power of the tongue. Does your speech build other people up? Is my speech perverse? Is your speech crude or rude or ill-intended? Does my speech bring glory to God, edifying to people and life to others? So, so as we, I'm going to read a few verses if I may. I have numerous verses here on a list and I'm just going to read a few of them if that's okay. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Ephesians chapter 5, we read that there should be no crude joking uh, come from, or filthiness talk, foolishness talk. Um, Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what? What comes out? Colossians chapter 4 says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Psalm 141 verse 3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Some of y'all need to pray that more often, do you not? God, just guard my mouth, just sew it shut when need to be. But it says, O Lord, over my mouth, keep watch over the door of my lips. For some people, your lips are open doors. And they're not always good. All right, some people, and I'm not pointing anyone out, I'm not asking you to confess your sin right now, but let's just be honest, some people's mouths are just open doors and it's not always good. Proverbs chapter 15 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. Proverbs 21 says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. James says that our tongue is like a little bitty, a little bitty tool used to direct an entire ship. Our tongue is like a a little bitty device you use on a horse to guide and direct a horse. Our tongue, which is very little, has much impact. I could go on. I could read you Ephesians 5, which I already did. I could read you Matthew chapter 12. I could read you James chapter 1. I could read you James chapter 1 in two different places. I could read you Proverbs 18 which I already alluded to, that both death and life are in the power of the tongue. I could read you Proverbs 17. I could could scroll through my entire page here of all of these verses that discuss your speech. Why do I mention that? Because our speech is incredibly important to the Lord. The way that you speak to other people is incredibly important, not just to them, It should not be just important to you, but it's also important to the Lord. So the way that you and I conduct ourselves, the example that we portray to the world in our speech is incredibly important. Our speech isn't just something that should fly off all of the time. Our speech isn't something that we use as a tool to attack other people. Our speech should always be God-glorifying, people-edifying, life-giving, hope-providing, but sometimes it's not. So the question is, in your speech, do you truly let your light shine? 
Because it is our speech, it is what comes out of our mouth that actually can defile our very character and be very destructive to our light shining before other people. So it is your speech that can be defiling to your character. Because here, let's face it, there are some people you will interact with in life that one time you say the wrong thing, they will never view you the same. You say the wrong thing or fly off the handle in the wrong way, they will never view you the same. And I'm probably guilty as anyone here. Because I wasn't always a preacher. And I used to say some pretty harsh or negative, destructive things. But here's another thing to, to remember. Not only does it defile our character and destructive to our light shining, but when we are careless with our speech, it may actually show that we care less about other people. So when you are careless with your speech and you just say whatever you want, regardless of the impact that it has on someone else, you may actually show to the world and what may shine before others is not a light. It's actually a little bit of darkness which shows everyone that you care less about other people than you do yourself. So one thing I tell my girls all the time is this, this, and I've said it before, your words carry weight. Because all of us can remember something that someone said to us sometime, right? I mean, does anybody remember what that one thing was that you still carry today with you because they said it this one time or this one way and it still traumatizes you or still hurts you to this day? I I get it. There are things that I have been told over my life that I, and, and I'm also guilty as probably being the culprit of saying things that have scarred other people. So just as you carry these one this one sentence or this one instance where someone said something painful and heartful to you and you still carry it to this day, just also remember that you could be the culprit behind something that has scarred someone for years and years and years. Therefore, our words do truly carry weight and we should be very mindful how we carry our tongue and the speech in which we use. So now I want to go into conduct. And if you have your Bible, I want you to open to Ephesians chapter 5. This was our life group last week. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5 in verses 7 through 10. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 7 through 10. So I will let you as spouses on your way home or as you get home today fix each other's speech. I've said enough. <laughs> you guys can hash that out when you get home how you speak to one another, how harshly or how politely. And if you need to work on your speech or the way that you speak to other people, your patience or your tongue, uh, then God has given you a helper. And God has given you a helper to point out maybe the many flaws that you actually carry in that particular category. But now I want to go to your conduct because let's just face it. Who, hears, who here remembers something maybe your grandfather or your grandmother did, but not so much what they used to say a lot? Because our actions oftentimes are, speak much louder than our words. There are times that my kids will reference something that I have done, but very few times do they remember everything that I say. So the way that we conduct ourselves actually may have more weight than the way that we speak. Yes, we can say some things that are very painful or very hurtful, and they may scar people, and people may have said things to us, but also our actions, the way that we conduct ourselves, is also a very, very important way for us to shine our light before others or to point them and guide them in darkness. So Ephesians chapter 5, this is what Paul writes. 
Therefore, do not become partners with them. He is talking to people in darkness, people in sinfulness. Do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness. Amen. But now you are light in the world. Therefore, walk as children of light. So we discussed how we talk. Now we discuss a little bit how you and I walk. We are to walk as what? However we want, what makes us feel good, what's, what, what is comforting and pleasurable to our senses, right? No, no, no. God's Word says that you and I are to walk as children of light. That is how you and I are to walk and to conduct ourselves on Sunday morning or all the time. All the time. When it's convenient or when other church people are around or all the time. All the time. So you and I are commanded to walk as children of light. Verse 9 says, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And then he says, Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So now let's talk about the way that we conduct ourselves or the way that we walk. Because not only is your speech to set an example for others so that your light may shine before them, but also in your conduct. The way that I conduct myself should reflect the light of Christ in all I do. The light that I possess should be expressed on full display in the way that I live, in the, in the deeds that I do, in the decisions that I make, in the way that I conduct myself. So we have to ask ourselves this one question, and then we'll go into uh, one of Peter's letters. Do you and I walk in a way pursuing righteousness or worldliness? Because we can't do both. We can't do both. I cannot walk in righteousness, but also entertain and walk in worldliness. Because it's one or. It's not and or. It's either or. It's one or the other. You will either walk and conduct yourself in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Because you are to walk as children to light in light. And you are to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Do all of my actions, do, does all every bit of my conduct please the Lord? Does the way that you conduct yourself, do your habits and your free time please the Lord? So, let me just also share a few verses. I looked at Bible verses on conduct and let, let's just kind of go here. The one I really want to read to you, and not probably to save time, I'll just read this one. First Peter chapter 1, verse 15, says this. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all. If you have your Bible open, I want you to underline that. All your conduct. So First Peter chapter 1, verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. All of your conduct covers much more than an hour and a half on Sunday morning or an hour and a half at life group. All your conduct covers all your life. Now, is there anyone in here perfect? No, because she's downstairs teaching kids right now. And that's my wife. Um, I've trained her up really well. Um, no, none of us are holy. Now, here's one thing that you might hear some, you know, modern preachers say, and I used to probably say it, and I wasn't, can I say idiot for a while in my life? But I was. I was very ignorant, and I was very silly with some things. 
But I remember hearing some modern preachers say, God doesn't desire perfection. He just desires progress. That's partially true. That is partially true. Um, but let me just say something that might not settle real well until I explain it. God desires perfection. He does. Because 2,000 years ago, there was a lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. Was this a lamb that tried hard? Or was living with... No, no, no. This was a holy, spotless, without blemish lamb. And it was the only way that God's wrath would be satisfied was that a holy and a perfect lamb would be sacrificed. Therefore, God does desire perfection. He does desire for you and I to live perfectly. But this is where God's grace comes into play. Because God's grace and His mercy is offered to imperfect people who are imperfectly living in a way in their pursuit of perfection. So I, for the rest of my life, am recipient, am a recipient of God's grace and mercy because every single morning I get to wake up and He doesn't strike me dead when I mess things up. He doesn't strike me dead when I sin against His name. He doesn't strike me dead. This is a result of His mercy and His grace. So He allows you and me as imperfect people, to strive for perfection for the rest of our lives. Knowing we'll never get there, but he desires perfection. Because what did Peter write? He says, because he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. So your, your conduct and my conduct should reflect and resemble Christ. Christ was holy, but Christ was also perfect. So you may be saying, well, preacher, that's kind of ridiculous. You're saying that I need to be perfect. I'm saying that you should live in pursuit of perfection. But here's what gets dangerous. When your pursuit of perfection is rooted in your performance versus someone else. See, because what's dangerous is when I pursue perfection so that I can look better than you. If I pursue perfection in my life, or I want to be holier than thou, or I want to be better than you, that is very ill-intended, therefore probably exposing the fact that there is no light within me. But here is what should draw you as you truly let your light shine in all of your conduct, as you pursue holiness, righteousness, and perfection. Your holiness, righteousness, and perfection should be a result of God's love, mercy, and grace drawing you closer and closer on a daily basis to Him. So I strive to live perfectly not because I want to look good, although it will make you look good. It'll make you look holy. It'll make you look righteous. I don't desire to live perfectly because I want other people to say, boy, I wish I could live like him. I want to live perfectly because it should break my heart every time I sin against my God. I, I want to live perfectly because every single morning when I wake up, God's mercies are new and fresh. Therefore, I am reminded every single morning that I wake up, I am giving another opportunity to bring glory to His name and to conduct myself in a holy, righteous way. So I don't want to pursue holiness and righteousness and perfection so that I can look better than you or so that you can look better than them. And if you find yourself pursuing holiness, righteousness, and perfection so that you can actually outperform other people, then your faith is more in the practices of religion where there probably is no light within you. But if you are conducting yourself and truly pursuing holiness, righteousness, and perfection as a result of God's amazing grace being lavished upon you, then what you will find yourself is this. Progress breaks your heart. Because it's good and it's partially true that God does desire 
us to progress in our faith and to be better than we were. But I ought to strive to be holy because he who called me is holy and he who called you is holy. Therefore, you ought to be holy in how much of your conduct? All of it. So if you claim that Jesus Christ is your Lord, let me just enlighten you to this. He is not just your Lord on Sunday morning. He is to be the Lord of all of who you are. He is to be the Lord of your marriage. He is to be the Lord of your finances. He is to be the Lord of your hobbies. He is to be the Lord of your weekends. He is to be the Lord of my worship. He is to be the Lord of the way I love. He is to be the Lord of every single area of your life. If Jesus is truly your Lord, you claim that He is your Lord, He is your Savior, He is your God, then you ought to live in a way that you glorify Him in all your conduct. That means everything that you do. Every hobby you participate in, every activity, activity you engage in, every hour of your free time, though it's not going to be worshiping God in church, though you may not be here, you know, on your free time and say, well, I got to be in church all the time. No, no, no. You can glorify the Lord at home. You can glorify the Lord at work. You can glorify the Lord in all your conduct. Because if Jesus Christ truly is your Lord, he is the Lord of your tongue. He is the Lord of your time. He is the Lord of all you are. Not just when it's convenient for you. Not just when it's easy for me to be in church. Because guess what? It's going to be 52 degrees and sunny. Therefore, I'm going to walk across the parking lot. And I'm going to worship the Lord. And He's going to be the Lord of my day. Because it's sunny outside. And I'm reminded of His goodness. No, no, no. He's the Lord of all my life. Therefore, if you claim Jesus Christ to be your Lord... You must carry that in the way that you live, in the example you set, in the way that you speak, and in the way you conduct yourself. And here's the beauty. If if you're here today and you realize that the way that you speak or the way that you conduct yourself isn't always God-glorifying, then God's mercy and grace is also sufficient for us. Because it's when I fall short, it's when you fall short and can't live to His standard. That you are lavished in his mercy and his grace. And if we confess our sins to him, he is what? Faithful and just to what? Forgive us and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. So if you're here today, I want to ask you two questions. Does your speech truly shine light for the Lord? And does your conduct, not just Sunday morning when I'm at church or not just when I go to life group, Does your conduct, does your walk truly shine light for the Lord? Because you're either going to let your light shine before others or, they're coming at me late. (laughs) You think I'm agile in my old age. But does your conduct point people to the light of the Lord or continue to cover people in darkness? Does your speech point people to the light of the Lord or continue to guide people in darkness. So here's what I want you to do. If you answer those questions and say, okay, if I'm being honest, my conduct always isn't God glorifying, let me remind you of his mercy and his grace. Because his mercy and his grace is what fills the void of imperfect people in their pursuit of perfection. Because here's perfect over here and here's all of us. We're never going to get there. 
Over time, we inch our way closer and closer, but this gap is only filled by His mercy and His grace. So whenever you are living in imperfect pursuit of perfection, trying to let your light shine before others and then messing up as soon as you leave church or messing up by Monday afternoon or by messing up on Friday night, guess what? It is by His mercy and His grace that you can wake up the next day and do it again and to strive again and to live again and to speak again and to conduct yourself again in a way that brings glory and honor to His name so that whenever I let my light shine before others, people will see my good works and do what? Give glory to my Father in heaven. Let us pray.